Obstructive sleep apnea is common among patients with acute ischemic stroke and is associated with reduced functional recovery and an increased risk for recent vascular events. The Sleep Smart trial is the first large trial to test whether a CPAP machine for obstructive sleep apnea after stroke or TIA reduces recurrent vascular events or death and improves functional recovery. I'm Carmen Lev Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke, and I spoke to Professor Devin Brown from the Department of Neurology at the University of Michigan, based in Ann Arbor, Michigan in the USA, about this trial and its design and potential to influence how we use sleep tools to potentially improve clinical outcomes after TIA and stroke. My name is Evan Brown. I am a professor of neurology at the University of Michigan, which is located in Ann Arbor, Michigan in the United States. Can you give us the background on the Sleep for Stroke Management and Recovery trial? We know that sleep apnea is very common after stroke. It has a prevalence of around 75%. We also know that patients with sleep apnea have worse outcomes after stroke, particularly worse functional and cognitive outcomes, as well as a higher risk of recurrent stroke and mortality. Several pilot studies have been done The results have really been mixed, but overall it shows promise to sleep CPAP for the treatment of stroke recovery and secondary prevention, but no definitive trials have yet to be conducted. And so the idea behind the Sleep for Stroke Management and Recovery trial or Sleep Smart trial was to fill this gap and perform a definitive trial to see whether CPAP would improve recovery after stroke and also secondary prevention. Fantastic. So I'll go back one step. Would you give us a little bit of an idea of what sleep apnea actually is? Some people may not be aware. Sure. Well, in obstructive sleep apnea, potentially multiple times per hour, the throat will close off and cause there to be cessation of breathing or near cessation of breathing repeatedly throughout the night. This can be associated with a reduction in oxygen levels, although we really don't know what aspect of sleep apnea confers the increased risk of poor outcomes in stroke patients. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, is that I was going to say, what's the basis for thinking that sleep apnea could be effective? So how did you, I guess, identify that in the trial and work around it? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So there are many theories about what may actually be contributing to the poor outcomes. They include the deoxygenation and then reoxygenation. It may be because of autonomic dysfunction. It may be because of the actual sleep disruption and then the consequences on engagement in stroke rehabilitation. But we really don't know which component of sleep apnea is conferring that increased risk. But the, the The flip side is that CPAP addresses all of those issues that are consequences of sleep apnea that may be the link between sleep apnea and and poor stroke outcomes. And so the use of CPAP really seemed perfect for this trial to see whether it would actually help improve with both recovery and secondary prevention after stroke. Okay, so that sounds really interesting. How many patients did you have in the trial? So we are targeting enrollment of about 15,000 patients to be able to screen for sleep apnea and then put through the protocol. But we anticipate 
randomizing approximately 3,000. And what's the design study around that? So, you know, how old do you have any limits or any exclusions or what does that look like? Yeah, the enrollment criteria are quite broad and we did that intentionally so that the results ultimately would have the greatest generalizability. So it has to be an adult with a recent stroke or high-risk TIA to be able to be eligible for enrollment. And then after enrollment, we screen the subjects for obstructive sleep apnea with what's called a home sleep apnea device, which is performed during the stroke or TIA hospitalization. Following that night, if obstructive sleep apnea is identified without too much central sleep apnea, then the subjects undergo one single night of run-in CPAP. So they have exposure to CPAP for one night to see whether or not they can use it for at least four hours and also to make sure that they don't then develop central sleep apnea while on the device. And those who are eligible for randomization then get randomized to six months of either CPAP plus usual care or usual care alone. Okay, so what are you what what are you expecting from this trial? When it if it become well, if it, the outcome is what you're expecting, which is or what you're hoping, is that it's effective. How do you expect that to roll out in care? Do you expect people to buy CPAP machines at home? Will they be using a CPAP? In, in hospital, would it would the CPAP machine be available for one year? You know, or, or do you perceive that someone with a secondary stroke, you know, prevention, that's what it's for? Where, where do you see that fitting? Yeah, that's an, an excellent question, and I'm not sure that this trial will really hone in on some of those important issues. So I, I guess my sense is that if the trial is effective for either recovery or prevention, or both, that testing would be conducted routinely in stroke patients during their hospitalization, and that initiation of treatment would begin very shortly thereafter. We would also think that some clinicians may decide to forego the sleep apnea testing component because sleep apnea is so common among stroke patients, and they may decide ultimately that they want to treat sleep apnea immediately after stroke to see whether that even confers even better outcomes than the, the protocol that we have designed. Okay. So in the trial, you've identified two potential or two separate primary outcomes um, as your expectations. Can you explain why? So the study really includes two separate trials, a prevention study with an embedded recovery trial. These two trials address separate questions where the underlying benefits of CPAP may actually work through entirely different mechanisms. As the intervention procedures are identical for both trials and all subjects enrolled in the recovery trial contribute to the prevention study, the design really creates great efficiencies and cost savings. And through a study of secondary prevention, we're also able to address a recovery treatment question with little additional expense. So from the the clinical site perspective and from the subject perspective, these really run as one single, um, one single study. But then on the analytic side, they're decomposed into the recovery aim and the prevention aim. The recovery aim is measured at three months and the, the prevention aim is measured at six months. And I'm fascinated that you've done this because it's not something that you commonly see, the idea of prevention and recovery in one trial. 
What was the impetus behind that? Well, we really thought that these were two very important questions that we were hoping to address. And we realized that we could accomplish that through one single trial with two separate aims. I mean, it's uncommon that one treatment has the potential to affect both recovery and prevention, but CPAP is one of those one of those interventions that may actually do both. I would like to mention that the trial is being implemented through an NIH-funded clinical trials network called StrokeNet. And the other sort of innovative feature of this is that the care management of CPAP following discharge is being managed by a by a tele um, health company. So it's a sleep medicine telehealth company that will through through the internet, through the telephone, um, through telehealth will manage CPAP remotely, which I think provides a, an added convenience for the subjects themselves since they don't have to travel to a durable medical equipment um, provider to, for instance, get new masks or equipment. And it also provides a a uniform way of providing CPAP care management to all the subjects in the trial, despite there being over a hundred clinical sites. You've been listening to a podcast interview with Carmen Dave Jenkins, Managing Editor of the International Journal of Stroke, and Professor Devon Brown from the Department of Neurology at the University of Michigan in the USA. She is the submitting author for the article Sleep for Stroke Management and Recovery Trial, Sleep Smart. The International Journal of Stroke is the flagship publication of the World Stroke Organization. Please do consider becoming a member. <laughs>